welcome in everybody episode 86 of the sports gospel here on sportsgospel.com or wherever you find your podcast we're happy to have you here with us darren and andrew with you merry christmas happy holidays i wasn't sure we were going to get an episode in this week with the chaos of travel holiday activities and the blizzard sweeping the country we're happy to be here with you and giving a little update here in the sports world We've got Andrew's NBA Top 5 Power Rankings, see how much movement we've had there. We're going to do a lot of NFL catching up. We haven't really sunk our teeth into the NFL season for a couple of weeks here. Those will be our two main focal points, but before we get too far into that, I want to look at the college football bowl games. There's there's a litany of them. Anything you've really paid attention to in the early bowl games? You know, I did watch plenty of that UTSA game, uh, UTSA-Troy. I can't say I've paid attention to much beyond that. I, I guess I was kind of enthralled with the Bahamas Bowl because it was the first one of the bowl season, and it was actually a decent game. So, but other than that, I can't I can't really say that I've been too enthralled with the bowl season. I might turn on the the Baylor Air Force game tonight. That's playing tonight. Um, I'm not sure which bowl that is, but um, yeah. I, I can't say I've been too locked into the bowl games. I've been focused on the NBA that we'll get to in a minute and college basketball as well. I have a bone to pick with that UTSA Troy game. That's the one I came on here touting as I was so excited and it was going to be great offense and it was going to start the bowl season right. And then they played 18 to 12 in at least it's a close game, but the lowest scoring of the bowl game so far. So still a little bit upset with those two. Yeah, I uh, tweeted out that that felt like a Big Ten West football game, and it was, you know, it it was that because we had a safety as the first score of the game. So that was a very Big Ten West of them. There were some fun games kind of up and down if you're the Pac-12. That Oregon State thrashing Florida was fantastic, especially I think the Beavs were underappreciated this year for what they did and to be stuck into a really early bowl game. And against Florida team, people thought, well, it's Florida, it's SEC, they're going to roll Oregon State. And Oregon State crushed the Gators. I don't think the Gators look like they wanted to be there. On the flip side of that, impressed that Fresno State beat up on Washington State. We talked about him in a previous episode. Watch for Jake Hayner, the Fresno State quarterback. The guy's been around college for a long time. Somebody's going to take a look at him for an NFL roster next year. So keep an eye on Jake Hayner out of Fresno State. I know these are a lot of the early games we don't really get into. We have some great matchups. BYU and SMU is a one-point game. Boise State and North Texas was a three-point game. Toledo-Liberty, we all know what's going on with Liberty losing their coach. Toledo beat them by two. Some some high-powered offense in some of these other games as well, like Western Kentucky and Alabama. So I know these aren't really the needle-mover teams. I think after Christmas, really get into the big games. But I do like this Baylor Air Force matchup, and these two teams could rush for 900 yards. Um but uh, an, an interesting list of bowl games here. And I, I'm with you that Baylor Air Force may be the most fun one we have here until we get closer to New Year's Eve. Yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, New Year's Eve is obviously going to be the big day for college football. And we will keep you abreast of that as we get close. Keep updating through the bowl season here. We're going to flip over here talking about the NBA and our new feature we launched a couple weeks ago. Andrew's NBA top five power rankings. Andrew is our go-to voice here for the NBA. I have I have not been paying attention. I usually get my updates from you. All I know is that Boston and Milwaukee are doing well, and other things are happening. I assume the West is still a big jumbled mess. But as we head into Christmas, the biggest day of the NBA season up to this point, who are our top five in the National Basketball Association? 
Yeah. Um, well, it's it's a shame you haven't been paying attention because your Brooklyn Nets are they your Ooh. team? I guess. Um, I think I've bet heavy on them the last couple really, of years. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, they're they've seemingly turned things around. They're sitting at nineteen and twelve, I believe, right now. They did not make my top five, but they're just on the outside looking in. So that's um, definitely a big change within the past couple of weeks for them. Kevin Durant has definitely been playing at an MVP type level as well. I'm not saying he's going to win it, but he's been putting up those kinds of numbers. And December Durant has been a kind of a thing. So the Nets are just on the outside looking in. And a team that was in the last time that we did this, the Pelicans are now just on the outside looking in. And I've also tailed off the the Phoenix Suns a little bit as well. So my top five has has changed a little bit from that three to five. The top two, there is a change there, and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but it's still the same top two that you talked about with the Bucks and the Celtics. So coming in at number five for me is the Denver Nuggets. Nikola Jokic's rolling had one of the most impressive games that I've seen uh, this past week with the 40-point, 27-rebound, 10-assist game, which is some Wilt Chamberlain-type stuff. Uh, I think there's only three guys in NBA history that have put up that type of a stat line in an NBA game, and it's Nikola Jokic and Wilt, and I can't remember the other one off the top of my head, but anytime you're in a conversation with Wilt Chamberlain, you're doing pretty well. So the Nuggets have really turned things around a bit. And Jamal Murray's playing more minutes and getting rolling. Bones Highland is back. And in the rotation, Porter Jr.'s healthy. Aaron Gordon's out there. So Nuggets come in at number five for me. Um, just above the Nuggets, I, I believe I had them in the top five the last time we did this. Uh, but if not, they've jumped into the top five for me. And that's the Cleveland Cavaliers. Darren, I know you love yes. the Cleveland Cavaliers. About time they get some uh, respect. They are getting in at number four for me. They're six and two in their last eight. And the reason why I'm putting them back here is because they're, again, like the Nuggets, they're fully healthy and fully operational now because Jared Allen is back. And you wouldn't think of Jared Allen as being the key piece of a team, but he really – pretty much is as a, a rim protector. While I love Evan Mobley and what he brings to the table on both sides of the ball, um, he's not quite the rim protector that Jared Allen is at this point in his career. So he, he could become that. Mobley could certainly become that. But having that, having Allen and Mobley together on the interior of that defense, along with Mitchell, Garland, and Karis LeVert and others on the outside, it really just kind of takes this Cavs team to a different level when their defense is just as solid as their offense is. So give me the Cavs at number four. And then number three, they've been in my top five for a couple times in a row now, I believe, since we unveiled this. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies are going to roll in at number three for me. Uh, Ja Morant has been steady. Desmond Bain is back. And so Ja and Bain is rolling again. And that's really kind of the theme of this week's top five is the top five teams that I've got here from three through five is 
guys coming back that were injured that are now healthy, that were key pieces of each of these teams. So that, that is where I'm going to put Memphis in at number three beam team is not in my top five, but they're kind of just on the outside. I forgot to, I forgot to mention the beam team, but they're kind of on the outside looking in. They could make it in within the next, whenever I'm on next, they might be back in here. I wouldn't, doubt it they they've got a nice home stretch of games that they're going through right now they've got four home games in a row um right here around the holidays so we'll see we'll see the beam team back in these rankings at a later point in the season i have a feeling but they're they're not in this week's edition at number two i'm going to drop boston down here to number two and flip-flop yet again i think i've flip-flopped these two just about every time we've done this, I've been flip-flopping Milwaukee and Boston back and forth. And it's really splitting hairs when you're, when you're doing it. I just really liked what I've seen from Giannis. So this isn't much, so much of a, oh, well, Boston's not as good. I think they're both kind of the teams to beat in the Eastern Conference. I think they've really separated themselves from the rest of the Eastern Conference. Even though I've got the Cavs at four, I do think there's a bit of a gap here. I just like the way that Giannis has looked these past couple of, of games, past four or five games. He's really turned it on, and the Bucks have looked good as a result. So I'm putting the Bucks at number one for that reason, and that just means I have to bump down the Celtics to number two, but it's not really an offensive thing to them. I'm, I'm still very high on the Celtics and what they have to offer, and we'll see – plenty of both of those two teams on Christmas day. And that's really the the thing to watch on Christmas day. I know there will be NFL games on that. I'll be paying some attention to as well, but uh, I know myself and a lot of others will be locked into the NBA on Christmas day. It's kind of a, one of those nice Christmas traditions. And in my mind, I really like the NBA on Christmas day more than I like football and Thanksgiving. I don't know if that makes me, on American, communist. I, yeah, yeah, I don't think so. But <laughs> because I think the NBA on Christmas Day has been more of a long. I, I don't know, but I, in my mind, it's a bigger tradition for me. Um, I also come from a family that likes and supports basketball and understands basketball a little bit more than football. So um, they're mainly into football because I'm into football, and so it's kind of one of those nice things that my family can sit around and, and watch basketball with me and, and really enjoy it. And because it's something that they, they enjoyed first and and passed off to me. So uh, if you ever wanted to know why I care so much about <laughs> basketball, it's really because it's kind of a family thing. Uh, so this isn't, this did not happen by accident that I became such a, a basketball nerd or, or addicted person or whatever you want to call me. But um <laughs> yeah, that that did not happen by accident. It was definitely a trait that was passed down. So we 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 like it. There, there you have it. Nice, quick, succinct top five. But NBA on Christmas Day, one of the great traditions. Well, we'll talk about those games here, and the NBA really puts their best foot forward with their their best teams and biggest names. A quintuple header on ABC starting at noon Eastern. So we will have. The Sixers and Knicks starting things off at noon Eastern, two of the hottest teams in the league, especially the Knicks really getting a lot of headlines in the last two weeks. 
going out west for the Lakers in Dallas. Even though the Lakers are struggling, they're still the Lakers. They're still that big name. They've still got LeBron. So you will have the Lakers traveling to Dallas to take on Luka, arguably the best player in the league so far. Game three, Milwaukee and Boston, the two teams that Andrew just mentioned as being the two best in the league, arguably, if not two best in the East for sure. Those two are going to square off. Your evening one, this is an interesting game where you have the Memphis Grizzlies, who are one of the hottest teams in the league right now, the young team building around John Morant and maybe the most exciting team. Kind of feels like the heir apparent to the former most exciting team in the Golden State Warriors. Grizzlies Warriors will be your Christmas night special. Golden State, we'll talk about them here in a minute, a team that's really struggled to find their footing and now without Steph, see what shape they're in. And then we end with another battle of who two of the teams that have become the traditional Western Conference powers and the Suns and the Nuggets, that'll be your nightcap. So you have five games Christmas Day, Sixers-Knicks, Lakers-Mavs, Bucks-Celtics, Grizz-Warriors, and Suns-Nuggets. Fantastic matchup, all contending teams or big names in the case of the Lakers. Which of those five are you most looking forward to on Christmas Day? I mean, the headliners got to be Bucks-Celtics. I mean, those are the two best teams in the East possibly the two best teams in the NBA. Um, So I'm really looking forward to that Milwaukee-Boston game. We'll get Giannis and Middleton versus Tatum and and Brown, um, as well as Holiday versus Smart. It's going to be a good matchup. I don't believe that Robert Williams will be back. That's the only way this could be better is if we had Robert Williams and Brooke Lopez as well. So these teams are, are kind of not quite mere images of each other because there's no one on Boston's roster that's quite like Giannis, although Tatum is very good. There's He's not quite on that same level at this point in time. He, he's very good, but doesn't do a lot of the same things. Um, but these teams are really built in sort of a similar fashion, I would say. And that's going to be a... I I won't say that they don't like each other, but I don't think that there's a lot of love between them either. Some of the playoff battles over the recent years between the Bucks and the Celtics have been rather intense. And I expect some of that to bleed over into this Christmas day game. And Giannis has kind of been at his best on some of these Christmas day games as well. We've seen some of the best of Giannis regular season performances on Christmas day. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. You talked about some of the other matchups, and I think um, the Suns and the Nuggets, if you're willing to stay up late on Christmas, that's going to be the other game to watch. But I, I'm really all in on Buck Celtics, and maybe if uh, you want to open gifts late, you can do that during Lakers-Mavs. Luca is the gift so. that keeps on giving. Yeah, well, if you if you want to open gifts and and take a break from basketball, that that one thirty to four o'clock time slot when the Lakers and the Mavs are playing is is your time to open gifts, enjoy food with your family, enjoy the time with your family, and then get back to basketball immediately at four o'clock when the Bucks and the Celtics come on. Uh, so, talking about some of these other teams that didn't make the top five. The Knicks are one of the big Christmas Day teams. They've maybe been the talk of the NBA in the last two weeks with the eight-game winning streak, eight and two in their last ten. Are they are they as good as the eight-game win streak would have you believe? We've talked about Jalen Brunson and crew, what he's meant to that team since he came over. Are we buying them as a threat to any of these top three or four teams, or is it just a nice midseason story? 
it's a nice mid-season story. I think that's really the best way you can put it. I like that the Knicks have turned it around. I don't see them on that Milwaukee, definitely not on the Milwaukee Boston level, but really not even approaching that that Cleveland level of what I would call the top five. It's going to take something drastic for any one of those three teams to drop out of my my top five because I feel like those are kind of the set three in the Eastern Conference. I mean, it, it's going to really take a horrible losing streak, a, a horrible injury, which we never wish for those, but a horrible losing streak or a horrible injury to kind of supplant any one of those from my top five. The Western Conference, I feel just that it's more fluid and it's easier for the teams from the West to kind of move up and down my top five. Uh, Yeah, I'm really, I really like the Knicks and the winning streak that they've been on and we should definitely give them credit, throw them in the honorable mention category for their eight game win streak. I'm still waiting for the heat, the Hawks or the Bulls to start getting ready for that top six battle. They're all kind of lingering beneath that here at the moment well i think of those three teams that you're talking about i mean the the hawks and the bulls there's a lot of trade rumors going around with both of those teams right now as well as toronto so it's that could be the thing that really shakes up the eastern conference is we've got three teams in that nine to eleven range as it sits right now that are really there's talk of dysfunction within the Bulls, Levine trying to force his way to the Lakers, DeRozan wanting out after the season, Trey Young possibly wanting out of Atlanta after the season if they can't turn it around. Atlanta's kind of been a disaster. Um, John Collins is going on his third year of trade rumors, so <laughs> happy anniversary to John Collins for his third year of being in trade rumors and nothing being done. Um Toronto feels like a team that might blow it up because Siakam's getting a, a little bit older. Van Vliet, too. I like Scotty Barnes, but that's kind of the going to be the storyline as we go forward over the next couple of weeks is which of these teams are buying, which of these teams are selling. And I think Atlanta, Toronto, and Chicago are the three teams that I've heard about across the NBA that are really could be in a sell mode um, at the trade deadline. So I know we we aren't quite anywhere close to the trade deadline because that comes around February in the All-Star break, but don't be surprised if you hear a lot of trade talk heat up for those three teams over the next month. Suspecting we'll have some similar candidates out in the West. Andrew mentioned the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, Suns. Those four seem pretty comfortable in the playoff picture right now. Then you've got the Clippers, who are weirdly quiet. Seems like nobody's really talking about the Clippers, number five. The Andrew's beloved beam team, the Kings, hanging in there at six. Good on them. And then down to Portland and the Jazz, who are still not tanking very well. Dallas and Minnesota would be the rest of the playoff picture. The, The big glaring pieces are the Warriors and the Lakers on the outside looking in. But as you mentioned, the East or the West, very, very fluid. These teams are jostling all over the place. And you know, two games, you could move from fourth to seventh, depending on who you are. It feels like a big jumbled mess. Maybe when you get outside of the top four teams. And even then, I'm not all that confident in the Suns in the current climate. Yeah. Um, 
you mentioned that. I, I don't see a lot of obvious sell candidates in the West, like the three teams we mentioned in the East. So uh, Utah, maybe looking to sell just to try and improve their draft position. Cause like you mentioned, they're still in that playoff hunt as of today. And I don't know if they, it'll be interesting to see what Utah believes about their long-term future over the next couple of weeks. If they truly believe that they should stick it out with the roster that they've gotten and, and the draft picks that they've got, but um, perhaps they should sell and look to improve their draft position in a, it's really a loaded NBA draft that we can talk about a, another day, another time, but it's a loaded NBA draft. And so you, you'll see some teams do some funky things in, in terms of trades and whatnot. I think this season just to kind of jockey for position in, in a loaded NBA draft. And I think you make a good point. I'm looking at this. I'm like, okay, who would be a prime team to tear down Denver? I, they're number one. I can't see them tearing it down. The Grizzlies have built this wonderful core. I can't see them moving on. If the Pelicans are doing worse, maybe they try to see what they can get for CJ McCollum or Brandon Ingram. The Suns are in there. You're not going to move any of those guys. Clippers, the same thing. Your Kings are finally there. Maybe Portland has some pieces to sell, but they moved heaven and earth to get the guys they have. I'm trying to look at this and think, man, you know, who, who would it be? Is it you know, maybe Minnesota, if Cat is the, the, the Cat, Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert, is that struggling? Is Cat the problem? I don't see – I think you make a good point and you really look at it. There's nobody obvious out west except for the – whatever the soap opera that is the Los Angeles Lakers, if they can move any of those pieces. Yeah, and I'm not really sure they'd be able to, and they don't really have the – assets to acquire unless they're going to surprise all of us and, and drop an Anthony Davis trade on all of us, which I don't foresee coming during the season. If that's going to, if that kind of a thing is going to happen, it's probably going to happen in the off season, right? I don't, and LeBron, obviously the no trade clause. So there's no LeBron trade forthcoming this year. So if that were to happen, that would be the, again, the off season, but I don't really see that going down in the off season. So I'm sure there will be plenty of rumors of the Lakers chasing after this guy or that guy. I mean, it's already started with the Levine to LA that I've heard on, on Twitter and in other places. I'm not sure how credible that is. I mean, it makes some sense because of the UCLA connection for Zach Levine wanting to be in LA. Uh, But outside of that, I don't really know what the Lakers would give up that would acquire them Zach Levine, uh, unless we're talking a mega Anthony Davis trade for Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and potentially some other pieces from the Bulls, if we're talking that kind of a trade. But I'm not sure why the Bulls would do that. So we're talking about a trade that doesn't really make sense for either party in that scenario, in, in my mind. It, it will be the story to watch. Everybody keeps thinking as long as the Lakers have LeBron, they can make a run, but they need, I would try to get out of either of those deals. If I could get rid of Anthony Davis or Westbrook if possible, but that, that will be probably the prevailing storyline as we get going throughout the season. Cause the Lakers are always going to be a lightning rod of interest and controversy. Yeah. You're, you're spot on when you say lightning rod of controversy. That's that seems to have been the Lakers for the past I don't know their whole existence. So anything else on the NBA side of things we need to talk to talk about before we get into the pigskin? 
Oh no, I think we I think we've covered uh, the major stuff. So let's, let's talk some NFL. Well, we're going to kind of go division by division here. Look at our playoff picture. We've got some spots already sewn up, but I like going by division, division by division, and talking about these teams because it gives us some order and structure. And then we'll talk about maybe some individual accolades and maybe the coaching situations if we have enough time here. Starting out in the AFC, go with the East first, and I think you could argue the East is the most interesting of the divisions. Buffalo secured their playoff spot 11-3, and leading the way here. They've gotten hot. Miami has trailed off a little bit. Nobody, I shouldn't say nobody, it doesn't seem that people are talking about this enough that Miami has lost their last three in a row. So the concerning things happening in South Florida, and then you've got the Patriots and the Jets, they're both at 7-7. Seven and seven. It's not out of the realm of possibility to have all four of these teams looking at a playoff spot. Buffalo is the one seed right now. Miami is the seven. And then the Jets and Patriots have the next two spots. Are we concerned about the Bills' chances? Have the Bills locked this up? What kind of your your all-encompassing AFC East question? Yeah, I think the Bills really locked up this division they haven't done it officially mathematically because they could lose out and Miami could win out and win the division. Um, but for all intents and purposes, the division was wrapped up by Buffalo last week when they beat Miami last week. So I, I think Miami's got this AFC East thing on lock. Um, but like you talked about, the story is really the rest of the division and how they finish and, um, if they're going to make the playoffs or not, I, I don't foresee the Patriots or the jets making the playoffs. I just think their offensive struggles of both of those teams are going to be too much to overcome down the stretch here. And I do think that Miami's hit a little bit of a rough patch here. They've, they've had a rough time over the last few games, but if I had to bet, we're going to get two teams from this division in the in the playoffs, and it's going to be Buffalo and Miami. I can't disagree with you there. I think the Jets have the hurdles with your question at quarterback. No Brees Hall. The defense has been fantastic, but the defense can't do everything. They need some help from that offense. Garrett Wilson's been a nice piece. I'm not sure enough people are giving him attention. He's a rookie of the year contender, a guy that I openly doubted. I didn't think he'd be near as good as Drake London or Chris Olave, but he's been fantastic. They need more on that offense. The offensive line needs to get healthy. They just, all, all things offense need to get better for the Jets. And then the Patriots, I think, are going to hover around there. Could see these teams getting to 9-7, and seven, but I can't see them being in that hunt. Yeah, and I mean, the Jets, I mean, they've got a tricky game tonight that we can talk about when we talk about the Jaguars, too. But um, – because the Jaguars have been hot, and so we'll, we'll get to them. But the Jets kind of have a, a little bit of a tricky schedule down the stretch here too. So that's, a, that's kind of why I think the Jets might be on the outside looking in because the offensive struggles and, and the schedule not really being in their favor. So We should point out we everybody has 14 games under their belt, three more games in the regular season in case we didn't. In case anybody didn't know or we didn't explain that very well. AFC North, this division that's been kind of put on its head in the last month or so. Browns and Steelers, they're, I cannot foresee either of them. They're both six and eight right now. The Browns do have Deshaun Watson back, who's been 
middling so far. As, as you shake off that rust, have to expect him to be a little better. And Kenny Pickett out for the Steelers. Both teams, I think, are going to be looking at eight and nine for those two. But I think the Bengals and the Ravens are going to have a battle all the way down here till the end. The Bengals have been in fuego for the past month and a half, two months. One six straight. They're 10 and four. They are cruising. This is the team to watch out for that I think is very, very dangerous. Joe Burrow, I think, is a top five MVP candidate. We'll talk about that here towards the end of the show. The Bengals have taken over this division. The Ravens kind of dealt with some issues here and there, injuries and Lamar Jackson not being There's been good Lamar Jackson and bad Lamar Jackson. This feels like a two-horse race, but I think those Bengals are a dangerous, dangerous AFC contender. Yeah, I think the Bengals are rounding into form at the right time. We we kind of see that every year, right, is the team that gets hot at the right time going in the playoffs is kind of the one who you feel like can win it all maybe come from nowhere and win it all because at the beginning of the season, we were thinking, Oh, Buffalo is going to just cruise. And now we've kind of through the middle part of the season, people have been thinking, well, the chiefs are going to cruise as Buffalo has tailed off a little bit, but not much. Uh, but here comes Cincinnati. And so it's kind of like what we talked about in the NBA with the Eastern conference, where there's three teams, there's three teams in the AFC that I think have really separated themselves and Cincinnati is one of them. You talk about the Ravens. I do think the Ravens will make the playoffs, but Lamar Jackson's going to be out this week. So if you play fantasy football, get Lamar Jackson out of your lineup, he's very likely going to be out this week and get someone else fired up in there. Um, I do think the Ravens will do just enough to make the playoffs. You can cross off the Browns and the Steelers. I, I'm not saying the Bengals are going to go to back-to-back Super Bowls, but they definitely have that look. And like you talked about, Joe Burrow heating up at the right time, but Jamar Chase back healthy, T. Higgins fully healthy, Tyler Boyd fully healthy. You see what this offense can be when everybody's fully healthy, and it's pretty outstanding, and it's maybe not quite the same level as what – the best of the Chiefs or the best of the Bills can put out there, but it's a it's a pretty good imitation of that. So, um, yeah, I think the Bengals are one of the true contenders in the AFC now. So the somehow I don't know how the NFL in their wizardry know how to do this. The Ravens, the next two games are at home. They get to play the Falcons, which you think could be winnable even without Lamar Jackson. And against the Steelers, that fantastic rivalry between the two. The Ravens are a far better team. So the Ravens could have two more wins there. It would be 11-5 and five heading into the final game, final week of the season at Cincinnati. have to imagine that uh, AFC North spot is on the line. Just how the NFL knows. Bengals-Ravens get, get that drama on the very final game. You know, there could be that drama or there very well could not be that drama but yeah I'm, I'm hoping that we do get a week 18 division on the line matchup between the Bengals and the Ravens and moving down to the south your aforementioned sneakily quietly good Jacksonville Jaguars and maybe the most under discussed thing in the NFL is what has happened to the Tennessee Titans they're one of those teams who we didn't talk about enough and then they moved into the number one seed for a while and then they've lost four straight. They have a minus 38 scoring differential, which is like that's where teams with like two wins have. How the Titans are doing this, even being in the lead in this division. The Texans are going to draft Bryce Young first overall. 
the Colts um, just blew the biggest lead in NFL history, I think. Uh, they have yeah, lost absolutely. four straight. And then Sunshine, Trevor Lawrence, and the boys down in Jacksonville. They're 6-8 and eight right now. It doesn't sound all that impressive. But they're only one game behind Tennessee, and Tennessee is plummeting. You talked about the Bengals rounding into form at the right time. Tennessee is going in the opposite direction. No idea what to make of this, but all of a sudden we have a two-horse race in the South. Yeah, um, you pointed out some facts about the Titans that I didn't know, like the the point differential. Um, I know that the offense has been bad, and it sounds like Ryan Tannehill might be injured. So the Titans might be in in some real trouble because the Jags have played themselves back into that race, and Trevor Lawrence has looked every bit the the what we thought he was. I, you know how we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, we were going to give Trevor Lawrence the rest of the season before we crossed him off. And now we absolutely cannot cross him off because of this hot stretch that he's been on over the last few games. I mean, the comeback last week against Dallas was very impressive. Um, he was struggling early, but they created a few turnovers and Trevor Lawrence capitalized and looked really good doing it too. He's going to have a a heck of a game tonight. I mean, Thursday night, Amazon Prime Video, Jaguars-Jets. You didn't think um, a few weeks ago that this game would matter so much, but now it kind of matters for both teams and teams that are trending in opposite directions. The Jaguars are hot, and the Jets are kind of struggling a little bit without Mike White, which feels very strange to say because – uh, they're turning to Zach Wilson, and so everybody, you know, thought Zach Wilson versus Trevor Lawrence matchup of high draft picks from the same draft class, right? So, but Trevor Lawrence definitely living up to the billing of what we thought he could be the past few weeks. So the Jaguars had a week eleven bye. Since then, they've gone three and one. They got obliterated by the Lions, weirdly. But they beat the Ravens, Titans, and Cowboys. Two of those are probably for sure playoff teams, and we thought the Titans were a lock. They're putting up points like crazy and 40 points last week. I think that it really put people on notice when they beat the Cowboys in overtime. A Dallas team that I think is absolutely a Super Bowl contender. They beat the Jets. If they were to beat the Jets, be 7-8, and eight, and they'd move ahead of the Jets. They go to Houston on New Year's Day. So that would... If we're being optimistic, that would put them at eight and eight. And then again, NFL and their wizardry. How do they know? Jags and Titans would be a week 18 matchup with the South potentially on the line. I have not looked at the Titans schedule yet to see what they're looking at. But how does the NFL always know? That is what, that is what I just pulled up. So the Titans have the Texans this week, which even without, Ryan Tannehill, and it's it's at home. I do foresee a, a Titans victory in that scenario. Um, but then they host the Dallas Cowboys, who the Jaguars beat, yes, but I, I think Dallas can beat Tennessee on the road uh, with or without Ryan Tannehill. I don't think that makes that much of a difference. Um, I do think Dallas is the better team. I do think Dallas is better than the Jacksonville Jaguars, they fumbled away a 17-point lead, and it's lucky for the Cowboys that the Colts did what they did, or the Cowboys would be the huge stock of the NFL and blowing leads and choking this week um, if the Colts hadn't done what they did. But, yeah, like he, like he mentioned, 
week 18 potential eight and eight AFC South teams in Jacksonville with the divisional title on the line. So because they face the Cowboys next week. We'll get to those Cowboys here. Very interesting team here coming down the home stretch. And we'll end the AFC with the AFC West. This division three months ago, we thought was going to be this mighty juggernaut of a division. And here we are with the Chiefs already clinching the division crown at 11 and three. I think you have to look at them as the best team in the AFC. I would, I think it comes down to the Chiefs, Bengals and Bills for this AFC crown. The Chargers are back in form. They've won two in a row that in, in typical Charger fashion, they were really good and then terrible and now really good again. But I talked about that point differential. They're minus 28. So Herbert and company need to get something going. And that's horrendous Chargers defense that they spent a lot of money on needs to find some solutions. The uh, Vegas Raiders are still technically in this thing. They're at six and eight. I think it's too big of a mountain to climb. But Kansas City, 11 and three. The Chargers, eight and six. The Raiders, six and eight. And then that anemic, atrocious Broncos offense at four and ten. Perhaps the best defense, or at least one of the best scoring defenses in the NFL, but just a horrible, horrible offense. I'm not sure what we can blame that on. So the West, you've got the Chargers and Raiders are going to be dancing in that playoff hunt here down to the end. Yeah, and I think the Chargers have a really good chance of making it. The Raiders, um, with that thrilling victory over the Patriots, kind of revived their playoff chances. But I don't really think, like you said, too much of a mountain for the Las Vegas Raiders to overcome. So I don't really foresee them being in the playoffs when all is said and done. They're not mathematically eliminated, but I'm going to go ahead and cross them off and say we get two teams in the AFC playoffs from this division, and that'll be the Chiefs, obviously, who have clinched the division and the Chargers. So um, I like to see the Chargers in the NFL playoffs because funky things will happen when the Chargers are involved in that kind of a scenario. So getting back to that playoff picture here to put a bow on the AFC before we jump over to the national conference, Bills are the one, Chiefs are the two, and Bengals are three. Most of really feel like they've separated from the pack. The Titans still have the four seed right now, technically. And then the Ravens are at five, Chargers are at six, and the Dolphins have fallen all the way to seven. I, I feel good about those top three and then the Ravens being in there. As we mentioned, Titans and Jags will fight for that fourth spot. And then you're kind of looking at Chargers, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets. Um, I don't know if we want. To, I don't know if we want to say that the the Jaguars Titans loser has a shot at getting a wild card. I think that's a one bid division. So yeah, I think you're spot on with that being one bid. So you're really looking at Chargers, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets for those last two spots, and. I have a, a little bit more confidence in the Chargers and the Dolphins than I do the Patriots and the Jets. And I think that's just mainly due to the quarterback position. Uh, feeling better about Justin Herbert and Tua than I am Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. So do we think basically the AFC, I know the, the seating can change, but of the seven teams in, do we feel pretty good about the seven that are in there, except for maybe that Jags-Titans bid? Yeah, I feel good about six of the seven with the AFC South being up in the air, essentially. And I, I'm really rooting and, and hoping for 
the Jacksonville Jaguars to pull that out and win that division because I, I want to see Trevor Lawrence in a playoff game in his second year. I think that would really – that's re- when you really find out about guys. They, they can do whatever they want in, in the regular season, and that's fine, but you really find out based so, off what happens in the playoffs. So what would this give us for first round? The Bills would have a bye. You get Dolphins-Chiefs in one game. I'm guessing you're taking the Chiefs there. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, a lot of points in that game, though. Sure. You'd get Chargers at Bengals, which you mentioned the Chargers. Silly things happen. Those are two teams that are weird, weird things happen with both of those franchises. Yeah, then, I don't know how I would lean. I think I would lean <laughs> Bengals. And then your four or five, you'd have the Ravens going to the Jaguars. But that'd be, yeah, I think, that'd be a winnable, thing, winnable game for the Jags. Depends on the health of Lamar Jackson. Correct. Um, so I I think Lamar Jackson would be healthy for the playoffs, most likely. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't count the Jags out of that that game for sure. That is what I would consider a toss up, and I would call Bengals Chargers if it materializes that way, or Chiefs Chargers, depending on what happens, or, or Bills Chargers. I mean. I'm going to call the Chargers playoff game a toss-up, I guess is what I'm trying to yeah. say. If the Chargers are in the playoffs, it's a toss-up game because <laughs> they could look really good or look really bad. That, I think that would be your most intriguing first-round matchup by far. So yeah, a lot of fun games, but that just, the, yeah, the, the coin toss of that one. Um, going over to the NFC here, we're going to start with another team that could be looking at four bids. Somehow, the division we all called the NFC least, and now look at them. The uh, Eagles and Cowboys have both already clinched playoff spots. Eagles looking like heavy favorites to win the division, but a huge head-to-head matchup this week, and no Jalen Hurts. Eagles 13-1, Dallas 10-4, and and then still in the hunt, the Giants 8-5-1, and and the Commanders 7-6-1. and Giants won the head-to-head over the Commanders this last week, so... I think four very different teams out of the NFC East, but all four of them legitimate playoff contenders. I consider me skeptical of the Giants and or the Commanders. I do believe that one of those two teams will miss. Um, I'm not going to say which one because I don't truly know. Uh, If I had to guess, I guess I would take the Giants. As the one that is going to miss, I think they're a little bit of fool's gold. And I think that's going to open up the door for the Detroit Lions to make the NFL playoffs. So I am really liking what Detroit has put together. I don't have a lot of confidence in Seattle. They have fallen way off. The Geno Smith feel-good story has kind of run its course, I think. And... So I don't have a lot of confidence in them. Um, I'm really hoping beyond all hope that both the Giants and the Commanders fall off so that the Green Bay Packers can make the playoffs. <laughs> but I, I'm not going to hold my breath on that. Um, that's just my hope as a Packers fan. I don't think that's a reality that will materialize. But um, it's a possibility, but I, I don't think that's a reality that will materialize a little too far gone for that. Maybe if the Packers are taking care of business against the Giants and the Commanders, we would be talking way differently right now. But 
Um, yeah, I think the the Detroit Lions are going to ride their hot streak into the NFL playoffs and take the spot that the Giants or the Commanders occupy. Well, let's transition then to the NFC North. When we talked about this in our season preview, we both kind of figured that the Packers were in for sure. And then I thought, well, the the Vikings are for sure going to get a wild card and that Detroit will be really, really good, but on the outside looking in. And you had them flipped Green Bay in, but then Detroit with the, the playoff and Minnesota just on the outside looking in. I don't think either of us had Minnesota and Detroit feeling comfortable and then Green Bay on the outside looking in. So these three all in the playoff hunt. Minnesota has clinched the division, but the Lions and your beloved Packers are still fighting for those wild card spots. And then the Bears are determining who they're going to draft to help Justin Fields next year. So very interesting finish yeah. to the season for the NFC North. Yeah, and, you know, the Vikings have locked up the division and, and props to them for doing so, but does it, or does it not feel like they're one of the more shaky division winners in the NFL? Uh, it seems like there's a little don't bit tell, of a the there. Don't. Yeah, well, uh, I think that's precisely what I mean because uh, high-seeded playoff teams don't, typically put themselves in that position to where they have to make that kind of a comeback. So I think there's definitely a, a little bit of fool's gold there with Minnesota uh, on wild card weekend. So Minnesota, if somehow uh, Detroit gets in at that number seven seed and you're the two seed, look out baby, because I think there's a little bit of a Detroit getting hot, maybe winning a playoff game type thing going on. So how do do we you're a little bit down on the east. Do we think the north is gonna steal three of these bids? No, I don't think the north is gonna steal three of these bids. North is gonna have two teams, Minnesota and Detroit. Um the East will have three teams, Philly and Dallas, obviously, and then one of Giants Commanders. And then the NFC South should get no teams, but they're gonna get one. <laughs> And that is where we're headed next is the NFC South. And man, the Buccaneers are trying to give this division away. The other three teams are not good. And Tampa Bay just cannot seal the deal. They've lost two in a row. They're 0-5 in the conference. And Tom Brady, what was it? He was 89-0 and when he led by 17 in the second half and blew it for the first time. Just a just an awful, awful division. The winner, is it possible for the winner to get in at 6-11? and Is that a thing? I need to figure out this math. I, I just feel like prohibitively it has to be the Buccaneers. I Nobody in this division is good, and the Buccaneers have Tom Brady. That's really the only thing I can point to. I mean, the other teams that aren't the Buccaneers in this division are jockeying for play, or draft position. <laughs> right. Like I think they're Sorry. legitimately outright jockeying for draft position. Somebody's going to lose by winning. Yeah, the Buccaneers just refuse to seal it. So I think this week will seal it for the Buccaneers because the Lions are going to Carolina, and I think they'll take care of business in Carolina. The Falcons are going to Baltimore, which we already talked about, and Baltimore should take care of business there. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are on the road at Arizona, who just lost Kyler Murray. And Tampa Bay has something to play for, and the Cardinals don't. 
So I'll, I'll go ahead and take the uh, Buccaneers to win this division pretty much going away. I do think they could finish, you know, eight and eight or sorry, not eight and eight, eight and nine. And that would be enough to take the division away pretty easily. So they have the next two weeks, they have the Panthers at home and then the Falcons on the road in the last week of the season. And I, I don't foresee the Falcons now that they've switched to Desmond Ritter being any sort of a threat to Tampa Bay and the saints really are, are not a threat at all. They're, they're definitely out. So, um, yeah, I, I see Tampa Bay winning this division, but it's kind of by default. And we go out West Rams, as you mentioned, uh, Cardinals and as you just mentioned, and the Rams both are already eliminated four and 10. The darling of the NFL currently, Brock Purdy and the 49ers have already clinched the division. And then you've got Seattle sitting in there. You've mentioned they really cooled off, lost the last two. I, they just feel kind of meh to me. The This weird Seahawks where they have a decent quarterback, but no defense. You never think about a Pete Carroll Seattle team having no defense, but that's where they are. I think this team is going to go with however healthy Kenneth Walker is. We've seen them win when Kenneth Walker is good and healthy, and they've been not good when there's no Kenneth Walker. I don't really know what there is to say about the West that we haven't said. It's really just where do the Seahawks fall in the wild card hierarchy? Yeah. I mean, the Seahawks will definitely um, feeling good about a win in, well, I don't know about this week. Um, obviously not this week. I think they'll take a loss against the chiefs this week. They do have the Rams in week 18, which I do think they could win. Uh, however, they play the jets next week at home as well. And the jets could be fighting for their playoff lives. And I really think the jets will take that game. So I see the Seahawks losing their next two, but winning their last game against the Rams and finishing eight and nine. So I'm out on the Seahawks and like you talked about 49ers, uh, CMC looks incredible. George Kittle looks incredible now because for whatever reason, Brock Purdy is the only quarterback on their roster that'll throw to him. <laughs> um, so I gotta, I gotta give Brock Purdy a lot of credit there because he actually wants to throw the football to one of the best tight ends in the NFL, which I don't know why Trey Lance and Jimmy G don't, but uh, Brock Purdy will do it. And so um, Debo has been struggling with injuries, but honestly, I know they're in the three spot right now and they could flip flop with Minnesota and get up to that two spot or settle into that three spot if they take a surprising loss here. But in my mind, I, I think the 49ers are the, the best team in the NFC. They've shown when fully healthy, their defense is elite. Uh, we were talking about the offense, but the defense is absolutely elite. And the offense is maybe not elite all the time. And certainly a quarterback question now with Brock Purdy being the one to lead them. Who who knows what Brock Purdy could pull out in the playoffs? Maybe, I mean, he's been good, obviously, the past two weeks. But who, who knows, as the weeks goes on, what that could look like. But there's plenty of talent around him to where he's set up to succeed. I, I just don't know. Uh, that's the only question I have about the 49ers, right? Is that quarterback spot, but I feel really good about the rest of their team to where they can kind of overcome that and be the best team in the NFC. 
Yeah, the e- NFC for me is wide open. I am loving this Viking team more than most people. I do think you, the, your four division winners can all make it to the Super Bowl. I think there's seven teams that are Super Bowl winning contenders, three in the AFC and then the four division, uh, sorry, not the four division winners, the three division winners plus the Cowboys, not the, not the Buccaneers, but the Eagles, if Jalen Hurts is healthy, can do it. Minnesota, I know it's a risky proposition, but I think they finally have all the pieces and the coaching there. You mentioned everything about the 49ers. That defense is nasty. Defense is nasty. If CMC is healthy, Kittle's healthy, and Devo's healthy, then you, that Niners team is probably the best. And then I have my love affair with the Cowboys. So I need those four. And I think you're onto something. If if Philadelphia gets a little banged up, San Francisco is the last team you want to see in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think everybody wants a Philly-San Francisco NFC championship. That I think that would be the, the dream NFC championship for me. I don't know. Vikings fans look away, plug your ears, but um, Philly San Fran NFC championship seems just seems right. So, um, but the way it'll work out, Tom Brady will magically win the NFC. Right. Uh, so let's, I yeah, wanted to, we'll, we'll have to endure all of that. Tom Brady is the greatest of all time talk. <laughs> Another another season. That's what I'm worried about. Somehow the Bucks are going to get in at nine and eight, and then go on a run. But let's so to recap here your seeds. So your your division winners. How are you ranking them for the playoffs or for the for their seeds? Because currently it's Philly, Minnesota, San Francisco, Tampa. Any yeah, I'm, I'm more. You know, if I if I could rank them and reseed these teams, it'd be. Uh, San Francisco, Philly. But like, but like, how do you think it will actually? If, you, if you, in your in your crystal ball, in my crystal ball, how do I think it will actually turn out? Yes, Philly will. Philly will get the one. Um, even without Hurts, the schedule just presents itself to where Philly will get the one. Um, I do think San Fran will leapfrog Minnesota. As I do believe that Green Bay will win this week in Miami and win next week at home against Minnesota, which will open the door for San Francisco to step right through it into that two seed. Um, But however, I, I do think that the Packers won't get the help that they need from other teams in order to make the playoffs. So I predict that the Lions will go ahead and actually take that last spot. Even if Green Bay wins that last week, week 18 between Detroit and Green Bay and Green Bay, um, the Lions would hold the tiebreaker, unfortunately. Um, so that's that's kind of how I see it playing out is Philly 1, San Fran 2, Minnesota 3, Tampa Bay 4, Dallas 5, um, Giants or Commanders at six, Detroit at seven. So if we if we go with our playoffs, Philly gets the one. You'd have the Lions at the Niners. I'm guessing you're going to take the Niners. I will take the Niners, yep. Then you would have Minnesota hosting your Commander slash Giant team. Yep, I will take uh, – man, I'll, I'll take Minnesota. We I'll make it a Minnesota. preview of that. Minnesota hosts the Giants this week, so you may get a preview of that. 
And then your four or five, this is where things I think could go awry. As much as I love Dallas this year, they would go to Tampa to take on Tom Brady at home. And like you just said, Tom Brady in the playoffs, even, even though they'll be eight and nine or nine and eight, they'll still take down the 12 and five Cowboys. Yeah. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah. I, I mean, you say it and I just, I see it. I see it happening because, well, we we already saw a preview of the playoff Cowboys this last Sunday when they blew it to Jacksonville. And that then was the playoff, that was the playoff Cowboys. So go ahead. And then Tampa would go on to play Philly and beat Philly and then make it the NFC title game just because Tom Brady. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just because, um, you know, the piece of that that is tough is it's in Philly. So I would say with a healthy Jalen Hurts, I'll give the edge to Philly there. Uh, that's what should happen. I'm not saying that's what will happen, but that's what should happen. And at this point, I know we really we don't have time to get into this, and but if you're the if you're the Eagles, you just kind of rest Jalen Hurts. Like, don't rush him back. Just take your sweet time. Oh, oh yeah, um, I know you're playing the Cowboys this week, but there's not really a need to rush him back this week. And I believe they're turning to uh, Gardner Minshew, right? Yes, sir. Uh, you can make it work with Gardner Minshew for a week. Um, I mean, you've got plenty of talent with AJ Brown and. Devonta Smith and Miles Sanders, plus a a decent offensive line. I think you can run on a you can rely on the running game and the play action passing game to get you through one week with Gardner Minshew at quarterback. It's kind of like the Brock Purdy scenario, but to a, a lesser extent. As I don't think Philly has all of the same offensive structure that the Forty ers do around Brock Purdy, but it's kind of a similar thing, and you can win a game with Gardner Minshew and you don't need to, you don't need to rush Jalen Hurts back. So I don't think they can afford to rest him over the last three weeks, because if they did somehow take three losses in a row, that would be bad and obviously drop them out of the one as I'm predicting. They really just need, I believe one win to secure that, secure that one spot. The the final thing I want to get to this week and convenient that we're talking about Jalen Hurts. Who is your NFL MVP? I think it's basically a two-horse race between Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. Hurts being out with an injury for at least one game may take some shine off of him. I think he's been the story and the most impressive player. Mahomes is putting up way better passing numbers, but Jalen Hurts has the dual threat. I think you have a second tier of guys like uh, I would I would have it be Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, who the doors open for them. If they went out, put up great numbers, that can compete with Mahomes. But for me, I would go right now. I think Mahomes is one, Hertz is two, Burrow three, Josh Allen is four. I think two has definitely fallen off that list. Uh, some of the familiar favorites, i.e. Aaron Rodgers, aren't in contention this year. And as we know with this award, no matter what any other player does, this is going to be a quarterback award. What, no love for Jared Goff? Come on now. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jamal Jamal uh, Williams, his teammate leading the league in rushing touchdowns. Hey, that's a nice that's a nice story. Ex Packer. Good job, buddy. Um but yeah, like you like you mentioned, I do think it is a two horse race right now, although you mentioned Joe Burrow. I could see him yeah. throwing himself into the conversation if somehow, some way the stars aligned where the Bengals went out and grabbed the one seed. 
are we, I mean, a big reason for that would be Joe Burrow, right? So, um, trying to get his stats pulled up here as I look at him and, and uh, Justin Herbert is second in yards, but he loves to throw interceptions and not bring many touchdowns. Uh, so currently Mahomes has about 600 more passing yards than Burrow. Burrow has one fewer interception and Mahomes has four more TDs. So it's not like he's out of the realm of possibility. Like Burrow can catch Mahomes if, if the Bengals get hot. Problem is Joe Burrow loves to get sacked as well. Joe Burrow's like really good at getting sacked. Yeah. And, and part of that is the offensive line issues that were prevalent early in the season that I think the Bengals have seemed to, kind of patch up and figure out as they've been hot lately. Um, you're right. It is kind of a, a Hurts Mahomes race. I uh, I think we're going to get Jalen Hurts as the MVP if Philly locked up the one seed. I think that kind of that narrative will just kind of go hand in hand. It's kind of the progression of Jalen Hurts, the quick progression of Jalen Hurts to uh, what he is this year compared to what he was last year. I mean, 22 touchdowns and five interceptions and 3,400 yards, but then you factor in all the rushing as well and all the winning. That's kind of what separates him. And you compare it back to last year, it's uh, it's almost night and day with a few games left to go, although he did get hurt. That's kind of the thing that complicates the MVP race is the Jalen Hurts injury. So um, you're right. I I think we can throw Burrow in there for some controversy, but it's really a two-horse race. Um, also, don't look now, but look who's tied for fifth in passing touchdowns and only has seven interceptions. Trevor Lawrence. He's he's oh. sneaking he's sneaking his way up the board here. I mean, he's probably not going to get it because at the best the Jaguars are nine and eight, but he's he's playing himself into the Mahomes, Burrow, Allen level for TD passes and yards. Yeah, and this is why I say um, we're kind of seeing Trevor Lawrence's ascent to top 10 NFL quarterback, right, as some other guys are maybe tailing off. Um, Trevor Lawrence is starting to kind of find his way. So the thing will be is can we see this on a consistent level now for – the rest of the season playoffs, if there is a playoffs for the Jacksonville Jaguars and then next season, but uh, he's definitely shown his potential. It's kind of like, I believe second year Burrow, but I don't think we're going to see a Trevor Lawrence in a Super Bowl or anything like that. Although I wouldn't be opposed to it, but yeah, like, like you said, the sats back up Trevor Lawrence is being kind of on the verge of that top 10. Anything else we need to get into for our Christmas week episode? I don't think so. I mean, enjoy uh, the NBA on Christmas Day, like I talked about. And you can enjoy some NFL football on the 24th. I think that's when most (laughs) of the games are going down. But um, I looked at the Christmas Day NFL games, and Packers-Dolphins is the only one that's even remotely watchable. So you don't need to worry about the other two. Um, because Packers Dolphins is the only one that's remotely watchable and you'll have basketball to watch anyways. So there you go. Well, your plates hopefully are full and your presents are full and your sports 
plate will also be loaded with mostly NBA. There's bowl games going on, NFL going on, college basketball going on. So plenty, plenty for you to watch throughout the entire week from Christmas to New Year's. We hope you all enjoy it and have some family and friends to celebrate with wherever you are and whatever holidays you celebrate. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back next week on the Sports Gospel. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. 